Welcome to another episode of the Off-Market Operator, guys. Today, we have a little change-up in the show. Today is more about operations, systems, global talent, a bunch of other stuff we covered. Uh, we we kind of covered a wide range of topics. Um, I think you're going to really enjoy today's guest. He was a former State Department, and he really has a good understanding of people, systems, processes, and tools, and has a fascinating journey. So without further ado, let's get right into the show. People don't fail at real estate because they suck. They fail because there's too many ways to succeed. That's why I suggest you focus on the most important skill in all of real estate, which is finding deals. I'm Colbert Johnson, and in this podcast, I share the exact steps I've used to source 400 deals by age 24. This will allow you to do three things, control your deal flow, make unlimited income, and build your empire as an off-market operator. We're on the boat again here in, in San Diego. We got uh, some overcast. The marine layer hasn't burned off yet, but it's a it's a nice morning. I'm here with a good friend, John, who I have met um, past couple of six months through the Twitter sphere, and we had developed a relationship and gotten coffee a few times and um, helped me out a lot of ways in my company. And he is not specifically a real estate guy, but he has his hands in everything and understands processes and people and systems and, and business better than a lot of people that I've met. Um, and a lot of people that have been on the show. So I'm excited for this show. Welcome, John, thank thanks, you for coming on. Thanks did for I, having did me. Did I miss anything um, about uh, how we met, our relationship so far, besides no. that one night? No, man, I think, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you swiped right. Um, no, I would say, I think you and I both started in trickier industries that forced us to get good, and then spun out what we were good at into its own business, and I was like, oh yeah, this is like one of the guys who thinks about stuff the way that I do, yep. and kind of off we went. Yep. So, so um, I want to kind of start at the beginning, kind of with your story a little bit. So you have a very unique beginning to your yeah. adult life that started in Afghanistan, right? I'm not going to give any context there. Yeah. I'm going to let you go into, uh, sure. I'm let you introduce yourself and what, what you were doing previous to uh, your life in San Diego. Sure. Um, but I think it's intriguing because... The way you had to learn to, you know, read people in situations, right, and, and how that makes business sure. easy with the with the EQ that comes with that, I think that'd be a good place, a good yeah. place to start. Yeah, sure. Take yes. it all the way back to uh, to, to the very beginning. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, I grew up in the Northeast um, and was in high school when 9/11 happened, and so very had a global view of the world um, uh, just from high school, and so I was like, oh, I always thought I was going to go into the military. So. Um, just because I was kind of affected by it, went to school in the Northeast, but ended up joining the Foreign Service. Um, and those are people who work in embassies around the world and kind of advocate uh, advocate different policies mm-hmm. abroad, right? So I served in North Africa, I served in the Middle East. Um, they taught me Arabic, so I did language school and all that fun stuff. Um, and the idea was just to kind of get people who don't normally like you to like you. Mm-hmm and be able to kind of advance an agenda. And so a lot of what I've learned from that, both indirectly and directly, has influenced the way that I build companies, buy companies, deal with people, and um, you know, then transitioned out of that into the private sector. So I did that for you know better part of a decade, so. So your first company, yeah, coming out of that, what was your first parlay into entrepreneurship? Yeah, so the first thing I did was, um, I was living in Dubai at the time, and I started raising foreign direct investment money for U.S.-based companies. 
And you would, you would actually appreciate this. You'd like this story. So there's all sorts of flight capital in the Middle East, emerging markets that wants to park in the US, especially real estate. Wants to buy uh, the PGA. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, those are the big ones. But individuals too, right? Yeah. Because they're afraid that their funds are gonna get nationalized or their currency is gonna weaken. Mm -hmm. So they wanna buy assets and just park their money in dollars. And so being in Dubai, which is kind of the financial hub of Africa, South Asia, the Middle East, Southeast Asia, um, all the people that I knew from my old job were like, we want to put money in the States. And so I hooked up with a couple really large um, real estate developers who were looking for like preferred equity or, you know, like million dollar check size. Yeah. Um, and that was the first thing I did because it was, it was kind of very similar to my previous career, which was just like talking to rich people, building trust with them, yep. networking, getting them to do kind of like what you want, which used to be like helping us fight the spread of chemical weapons. And now it was like helping uh, Hudson Yards get built by related in, <laughs> you know, in New York City. Right? So, so yeah, that was like my first thing. And it was great. It was like halfway. It was just like a little bit of a warm up. It's like you know? getting you back to the U.S. a little bit. Yeah. And it, yeah, was, yeah. it wasn't a real estate thing. That was, Antonio, can you hand me my glasses real quick? You you, that wasn't a, hey, I love real estate. That was, hey, I love working with, I love, I love pushing people a certain direction that's probably in their benefit. Yeah. And talking to them. And yeah. that, that was the business model. Yeah, it wasn't were you taking real estate. Fee, were you taking fees on that? Okay. Yeah. So, so the big thing that I did there that ended up being really useful to me, which you'll appreciate, which was historically the ways that all these guys and there's still f some who do it, but I, I think I had an impact on how it was done, which was historically it was all done via finders. And so they would get like a really wealthy accounting firm in Istanbul, Turkey, a mm -hmm. uh, lawyer in New Delhi, um, you know, to uh, send, them, send them their high net worth clientele. And I was like, all right, like that's one way to do it, but there's issues with that, which is like those guys could always send money to a different project. It's a very mm -hmm. difficult way to raise capital. Mm -hmm. And I'm, you know, talking to the speaking of the choir here, right? What are the only two scalable ways to consistently generate pipeline? Paid ads or cold? Yeah. And so what I did with these guys, I was like, you guys need to be running Facebook funnels. Mm -hmm. And so I two overseas money. Ah. So I was like, why are you working with finders in Istanbul? Let's run Facebook ads. And so we ran huge Facebook ads. We would qualify them virtually, and then we would have someone fly in from the States and do like 40 meetings in three days and raise 20 million bucks. Mm. But it was all fed by Facebook and it was direct. It wasn't via these kind of like shady, like meet me at the Four Seasons. It was just Facebook, uh, online, like, in, you know, setter, basically. Who's <laughs> right? setting people from S Setting from people New Delhi. from Istanbul. Or, uh, I raised a lot of money in Pakistan, South Africa, Nigeria. And it's the, it's the same principles that you know in your, in your call center business, but like these guys, it was like revolutionary because now they weren't slaves to these agent networks because these agent networks would try to constantly yeah. get more money. You're going direct to money. Right? You're just going to, straight, yeah, yeah. You're going straight to the money. Yeah. So it's like, why did you not use finders to source deals? Because they're paying the ass, it's unreliable. I'm gonna build my own call center. And so that's what I did with these guys. And are those relationships hard to build? Like, like in terms of like, you know, you're having them send out a million dollar checks to the US, like how are you? How are you one screening them, but how are they screening you? Yeah, it's a great, great question. I mean, these are big, you know, big, big real estate developers, right? And so for me, I just would lend off their credibility. Meaning I wouldn't say trust John, I would say trust related, mm -hmm. which is a you know yeah. massive company, right? And was a US company paying you to do this? Or were you going to get the money first and then going to these developers saying, Hey, I got twenty million dollars yep. from 
yep. an overseas capital that wanted to deploy to yep. these kind of projects, these His, kind of returns. Historically, it was only it was a success fee based business model, and I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to take the risks and incur the cost. And so what I said was, pay me half of the success fee, but you incur all the costs. Mm. And but the difference, the, the the big value proposition to them was they could now directly source capital. They didn't because you know there's a million people who want to source capital. Only the top 10 could access the classic networks, the mm. big boys. But everybody from 11 to 500 is like, well, I really want to raise foreign direct investment, but mm. I can't do what these guys do. I need yeah. an insurgent strategy. Yeah. The big boys can do stuff, the yeah. small guys can. So I went to them and I said, I'll build you a direct to money system, a machine with CRM and with things they'd never heard of. They're used to just like giving their business cards and drinking scotch. Yeah. And I was like, let's build a freaking trap, a paid traffic and it worked. Yeah. A funnel, yeah. I, yeah I, let's build I, a funnel. I have a buddy, Artem, who's big on Twitter, Artem Tep, where he develops LA and other areas. Yeah. And, um, they did the same thing. They went and found a couple of like Russian billionaire families who, who wanted, but they weren't a big guy, right? So they had to go build a relationship. They had to go so direct. That's fascinating, man. You've always had kind of a global view of business then. Well, because I was, but because my first job was I lived abroad. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I didn't, you didn't have that. I feel like most Americans have that separation in their brain of we're American, everyone else is everyone else. No and way, once you get rid of that, you realize how big the world is. But that's and I have through my call centers. But that's that's fascinating. If you've ever tried to negotiate with an Indian dude, you don't ever think that Americans are the best at everything. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> those yeah. guys will eat your lunch. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so how did that? I guess how did that come to a conclusion, right? Like, yeah. why did you say that no more? Of the you run in my Facebook ad for all the people yeah. and place them in the in U.S. investments. <laughs> like little business. What what did that turn into next? I mean, obviously that. I mean, now you're kind of back in the game, right? Yep. But like, what did that? You yep. Know? So there's kind of two things that happened at the same time, which was first Trump got elected, which created a really negative perception of the U.S. abroad. Even though it was kind of, it ended up being fairly short term. Oh, so this wasn't even that long ago when you were oh, getting. Man, out this was like late so, teens. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Trump was in office and was, you know, this was like the travel ban and like all that stuff, right? And so there weren't as many people who were like, "Yay, America!" Mm. Right? Um, you know, like, oh, do you do Canada or, you know, now it's a lot, that all bounced back and it never really went away. But that was just kind of like one thing that just like wasn't quite as whatever. But the, the bigger thing was, um, the bigger thing was that I saw the folks operating these companies and I was like, I need to own these companies myself. Mm -hmm. I need to, I need to be the operator because mm -hmm. I was having to kind of like, it's anytime you're like a vendor or like an agency, you're like, if this guy really just understood how good I was, eventually you're like, I should just do that. Mm. Meaning, like you run a call center for some, I don't know, locksmith company, and you're crushing it, but this guy's wetting the bed. Eventually you're like, dude, why don't I just buy a locksmith company? Mm -hmm. And now I can finally spend enough on customer acquisition, or like I can redo his whole back end and finally keep up with the demand that my call centers are generating or whatever. And so it was the same thing. I mean, I didn't get into like big, you know, real estate, but I was just like, if these are the best guys in this industry, uh -huh. I need to operate. I need to uh, not be like a vendor. Operate a business, not be a middle guy. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Middle man, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was like, I was like, all right, I just gotta like get in the game however I can. And how, what was the however you well, can? Well, I could raise, well, I could, <laughs> yeah. I could like what was the game you got into? Yeah, so I could raise money, yeah. right? Which is, which is straightforward. So I raised some money and bought some stuff in some companies. Uh, and that was like the first, first companies I bought, you know, was because I, I have access to, to people who trust me and who, you know, whatever. And I was like, hey, man, I want to buy this thing. And um, without going into too much detail on that, because there's still some stuff going on there. But the 
um, what, what I've said, what I've thought about, that I always told myself, and I don't know if this is right or not, but the first time I used somebody else's money to buy something, I told myself, and I don't know if this is true, but there is no higher game in town. Meaning all that happens is there's more zeros. But the top of the game is buying things with other people's money. Mm -hmm. And you get upside. So like that's how the Yankees are bought. Mm -hmm. It's just more zeros. Mm -hmm. So the you know, me getting into the first time I somebody bought a company for me and it wasn't my money, like now all I'm doing is buying bigger companies. Mm -hmm. And so it was like I'm a part of the club now. Oh yeah, we bought a company over there. Yeah, we're thinking about a bigger one. Oh, we're gonna do a little debt, we're gonna do a little like there's no higher game in town. That's then the game, yeah. That that yeah. is the high maybe like public securities trading or something, but like buying and building stuff with other people's money, that's how the Yankees are bought. That's how the PGA tour, <laughs> right? Bought, yeah. Like it's yeah. it's it's the same thing, it's just more zeros. Yeah. And so I was like that's the game I want to be in, is buying, building, improving things with other people's money. And I, I know you mentioned you can't go into too much detail about the first couple of companies you bought, but I know a lot of, at least what you talk about, and, yeah. and the core industry people you know you for is, you were in kind of the home service yeah. business, yeah, right? Yeah, that was a company I bought. Well, no, so, I can go deep into that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it was the first couple I don't want to talk yeah. about. Um, but, uh, so that, company, that was a company you bought, not started? Correct. Gotcha. Yeah, I can tell you all about that, yeah, yeah for sure. One thing I would say, especially for like your crowd and given what I know about your audience a little bit, one of the things that I figured out was if you're good, and good can be defined as you building your skill sets through courses, and if you're sharp as a person, and you come with a deal, there's always money. Mm -hmm. what you, what's hard is you don't have a deal, and you're like, trust me, I'm Cole, I'll find something to buy. It's, like, it's essentially like raising a fund or whatever you wanna call that. Like getting dry powder before you have a target, very difficult. But if you're like, I found this thing, I think it's underpriced, I can buy it, here are the terms, will you give me the money? And you just shop a deal around. I, that was when I finally started being able to get momentum. Rather than being like, give me a million dollars and I'll find something in my target range. You're like, nobody trusted. They're like, what the hell are you gonna buy? Mm -hmm. Whereas you get a deal you under deal LOI first. or yeah, deal yeah, under yeah. contract or whatever it is. Yeah. Now, yeah. dude, text me, hit yeah. me up on Twitter. You got a deal yeah. under LOI that's underpriced. Don't worry about the yeah, money. That's, that's, that's <laughs> essentially all my, all my core business was for the first five years in business where we'd go find a real estate deal. Yeah. That was uh, that we could we get essentially an LOI yeah. on right with the right to assign that yep. that per, that PSA, um, and people line up at the door all day. Versus the other way, if I went to these these investors before and said, "Hey, I'm going to go find deals," they'd be like, "Go find a deal." Yeah, let me know when you got one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's funny. Man. That's, yeah, that, it's that's the, true. But yeah. but it's just like yeah. this insight that the I same had. thing with business, man. I think that's what broke my brain the first time we we had talked was, uh, you were like, "Man, this thing you're doing with." wholesaling real estate and cold calling and direct to seller. Like that's the same thing. That's the biggest game you can play, but with companies, right? That's all these, you know, search funds do. And these these big boys do is they do exactly what you're doing, but they go find the company and then they negotiate the on the company because the, the owner of the company is going through a certain situation instead of the owner of a, of, you know, a house, property, right? Yeah. And, um, I mean, of course, if you that goes into can you operate a business? But uh, that's, that's that's the part <laughs> well, we can talk about. That's that what I'm talking about, right? It's uh, yeah. you go find the money and you, and you put it with a deal. But can you operate the deal? And I right? and I think and I think you know the only time you can get ever past that, and you could probably do this now with your track record, is once you have a track record of doing those. At that point, you can say, "Hey, we're doing a 25 million dollar fund. Here's what we've done over the last three or four years. Mm -hmm. You know, GPLP, whatever. We're gonna take." two and 20 or whatever. But once you have a track record, then you can get 
the committed capital, but until yeah. you have a track record, yeah, deal by deal, deal, baby. First, deal by, just yeah, go yeah. deal, 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 until you have enough deals to have a nice a nice track record. That's so true, because kind of the natural ascension of people in, in the industry I started in, which is real estate, multifamily, single family, is you do enough deals where people start noticing you, you build a brand, but it's deal by deal. All of a sudden you have a brand built and then you can raise a sign that says, I'm raising a fund and I'm syndicating, I'm gonna go buy, this, it's the thing I'm gonna go buy bigger multifamily deals. But I never thought about it that way where like, like you have to get to that point by doing enough individual deals or then you get on a podcast yep. or then you get, yep. you build a brand and then you know you become the Ryan Panetta, Cody Sanchez, you have a brand and you can go, hey, yep. give me 30, everyone I'm raising a grand card, I'm raising $50 million. Yep to go buy a class A multifamily yep. building and you don't have to, they don't even care what the deal is. They just want to give you money. And that's where I think also too, if I was like starting or whatever, I think the other way you can do it too is like, you can create a track record off nothing. Take a $100 card and flip it for $300. Then use that track record to flip a $600. Then do a, Airbnb arbitrage, like, <laughs> like, like, what, you know, then <laughs> sell a course on it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I just mean like, the track record doesn't have to even be in the same asset class. You just have to show that you're not a pretender. Mm -hmm. Like, hey man, I crushed it over in this, I'm moving over to this. Like, did you have, if you needed to raise money for your call centers, with your background building what you oh, did with wholesale, it'd take you one I tweet. I could put out one tweet and I'd have $10 million in my DMs and- That's, that's, and what, that's and what I mean, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah. so it's like, you don't even need to build a track record in the same vertical. You just need to show that you know how to get shit done and return more than you took in. Yeah, and it's also, not only that, but you also have to have people that, that publicly support, right? And, yeah. and that have say, say in a public forum, yeah. he's not a grifter, right? Because there's yeah. so many, and on Twitter, Instagram, there's so many people that yeah. show up and they eventually they get executed by the community. Like, yeah. it doesn't take much. But I think that's, uh, man, that's a, that's a fascinating way to look at it because that's truly what it is. You know, once, and and I found this to be true, man. Once I once I had success in, in, in real estate, I built a brand in real estate, I didn't realize how easily that was gonna translate yep. into just general business, right? Yep. They, didn't, they didn't care where my success came from, but if you have success in one vertical, it doesn't really matter what you, like tomorrow you could come out with, you know, you're known, you're known for global talent and kind of the home yeah. service stuff. You could come out with a, a whole new thing and people are gonna trust you because they. You, you wanna hear a yeah. great, I'll tell you a great story, a guy I was talking to today. Uh, really, really, and he's been written about, I'm not gonna say his name, but like you could probably figure out who this person is. This person was a uh, humanities major in college in like the early 2000s. And he found um, f uh, major fraud in a publicly traded company that nobody else knew about. Mm -hmm. He went out and got cash advances on his credit cards uh, to take a short position and put a bunch of puts on this company. And then he published his research to his blog and he made a pile of money and now he runs a hedge fund because he was just some kid mm. who maxed out his, cause he's like, he built his track record with not a lot of money, but it then let him parlay that step by step. So you like, the point being is like what you did with wholesaling or like some of the stuff I did, like I didn't need anybody's permission. It's not like I now deem you a candidate. You just start doing it and all of a sudden like momentum builds, you start having a little track. Like, so I think like a lot of people think that they need like permission and you're just like, mm -hmm. nah man, I just started like, started doing stuff. I just started like yeah. calling some dudes and they gave me an assignable option and then I called some other dudes and they next thing it. you know I'm fucking cold. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that you've kind of hit on me since we first met is your intentionality and um, the way you consciously are unscheduled. 
Right, you live your life. You have you have the perfect idea of what your rich life is. Yeah, and you live it. And you don't. I think out of anyone I've met, because I think entrepreneurs have a natural tendency. Um, and there's kind of two questions in one here. Now, entrepreneurs kind of have a natural tendency to nothing's ever enough, right? Yeah. No matter how much money they make, they're they're never gonna sit on a boat on a Friday. Or yeah, yeah. It's they're gonna be you know it's head to the head to the wall forever. What kind of I guess what settled you down? Into, into that, you know, defining what your rich life is, not getting caught up in all the BS and, yeah. and building what you want to build instead. And I have, a, I have a follow-up question to this that builds on it. But, you know, how did, how did that all come about? Were you a guy running around with your head chopped off for a while and then you reached a point where, like, enough is enough? Because I run into so many real estate investors, right, that they're, like, I talk about, like, there's, there's a hustler stage, especially on this podcast, an operator stage, an architect stage. When nice. When you're I like those terms. Dude, those business, yeah. too. When you're in your hustler, hustler yeah. you're, you're chasing deals. There's no systems. There's no structure. There's yeah. no anything. You have no idea what you want to do a month from now. Yeah. When you're an operator, you made your first few hires. Yeah. You're still very much in the chaos. And then when you're an architect, you know, you have system processes, procedures, a team. Yeah. You have good KPI reporting. You have good directions. And you know where you're headed. Yeah. Right? So what, like, what, like, uh, was there a pain point that brought enough, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. reflection for you, or what got yeah, you I'll to tell the story? What's my rich life? How do I live that? And you yeah, know, I'll tell screw you everything else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as a small aside, and you know, one of the ways that I've always done really well is taking concepts from one industry or sector and applying them against something else. Mm-hmm. You need to read. Um, his name is John Cipher, better CEO on Twitter. He is one of the. He's been in the game for like thirty years. I think you go back and forth with him sometimes, right? Yeah, I think I saw his. His good. stuff, where he talks about the maturity of companies, lines up, ex- and he has like grids where he's like, how to assess your company's sophistication of. Si-. One of them things I think he talks about this, like the laptop test. How long could you close your laptop and the company would survive? He's like, one day, you're a phase one company. One week, you're a phase two company. No, I don't ever have to do anything. The company pays its own bills, fires people, hires people. He's like, that's a phase three company. And so in in your structure that you just talked about, you'll find a lot of analogies in the way that, because all real estate, real estate's a business. It's just a type of business. And so you'll really like some of his stuff. Uh-huh. You should read like his sub stack and stuff. You'll get a ton of ideas of just like those systems and stuff. So Cypher's the man. Uh, really, really good guy. So to the question about like the intentionality, uh, it comes probably for me because I'm not a believer. I'm uh, I'm without faith. Um, I grew up in a in a Episcopalian Protestant family, and um, and so I've had to kind of find my own meeting. I think my own like existential meeting. And I think for me, I consider my time to be exceptionally precious because I don't believe in anything beyond this, and that's just my personal my mm-hmm. my own personal belief set. And so that has made me focus really on like. I could get cancer tomorrow. Like, am I really gonna not hang out with my family because, like we're all one phone call away, right? Mm-hmm. And so like, am I really like, to what, make money I don't need? I don't need, like, and so like for me, like, oh, well I can get a big deal. It's like, what are you gonna do with the money? I couldn't even spend that, I'd have to make up ways to spend that money. Mm-hmm. Like, and so I really, it started with talking to myself and my wife about like, what makes us happy? Mm-hmm. And we're like, what makes us happy? Not having to run out the door at seven in the morning. I was on the beach this morning with my kid, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, that doesn't mean I'm not ambitious. That doesn't mean I'm not aggressive. Yeah. But it also is like, what makes us happy? And then what money do we need to support that happiness? And then for anything beyond that amount of money, which I'm over, I just say no to things that I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, can you fly over here? We'll pay. Nah, what do mm-hmm. I need it for? To have some more dollars in my bank account? It's just, it's, it's not a you know, like breaking the grip of materialism. Like 
yeah, sure, I would love a private jet. But if that means that I don't know my wife and I go mm. through a couple of marriages, it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd rather have my wife and, you know, fly business class overnight to Europe. And other than that, I'm fine. Mm. Like, I just, I don't, that's not the, that's not so the way I choose the to play if score. you get there, you get there, you're not going to, you, like, I, I saw Nick Huber put out a tweet about this too. He's like, I want to be a billionaire if I can do it within a 30-hour work week. Yeah, it's the same thing. And if I can get Correct. there, like, it's, it is what it is. And it's is, the same but, thing for yeah. me. It's yeah. like, I want to have as much money as possible following these 10 rules. Number one, I never have to commute. Number two, business travel is not a core part of what I do. I don't mind doing it, but I just don't want it to be a core part of what I do. Number three, I never have to fill out TPS reports. Mm-hmm. Like bullshit, you know, mm-hmm. like insert bullshit here. Like if I can follow all those rules, I want a trillion gazillion dollars. Mm-hmm. I'm just not gonna like say, sorry, honey, I'll see you in two months. I gotta go, I gotta go be on site at this business we just bought. I don't wanna do that. Did I heard a humbling story last night actually. I was down at the, bar, the beach condo with my wife and her parents and um, we, were, we were headed home. And my wife's like, yeah, my, so my dad's friend, um, he lives in Arizona and his neighbor, very, they're, they're very, her dad's friend's very well off. And so live in one of the nice Arizona, the communities in Arizona. And he was really nice to his neighbor. And his neighbor was a very wealthy guy, yeah. very wealthy, like hundreds of properties, like a big time guy. And passed away recently and they didn't have kids. And so they named him the executive of the state. He didn't know, they didn't tell him. Right, and when you become the executor of the state, it's a lot of responsibility, but you get a fee of it, right? Because the bigger the state, the more money you make. And um, the story, as I was told, was they were donating, they didn't have kids, they were donating 95% or 100, besides what they paid the executor, pretty much all of it to to, uh, to a um, university, to, to a health clinic, whatever. And I was thinking, man, like that guy, so many people play the game and sacrifice everything for so many years and they die and it all, it all just goes back in the middle of the table to, to a university that, that that money is so insignificant to them, it's gonna fund two months of research. It's your name on and, a bench. And, yeah, <laughs> and your name on a bench and you sacrificed wife, your wives and your kids and baseball games and so much stuff for that or, extra. Or, or, or doing art, like I love doing art. I love doing pottery, yeah. right? Like I love waking up, or, I also love being on the, the heel of a deal, but I don't, I'm not a slave, to, you know, there's this great quote that says like, um, most like uh, like most men lives lives of slavery. Some are a slave to ambition. Some a slave to wealth. Some a slave to their little girlfriend on the side. Don't be a slave. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, what are you a slave to? Mm-hmm. Like I ask myself, yeah. like, what that's am a very, I a slave yeah, that's a very, to? Very biblical teaching for someone. Is with it? No, yeah, with no faith. I think it's a, <laughs> a philosopher. Uh, yeah, but it's it's just like, don't be a slave. And it's yeah. like, including a slave to like, I'm a deal junkie. It's like, well, then you're a slave. I know how to control you. Yeah, I'm a slave to the like, money. Whatever. Right? Like I, I have some buddies that I grew up with that it's just like every dollar needs to be counted and yeah. tracked, and it just creates a life that's so. It's just not for. Yeah, but yeah. I, the thing for me is, it's a very personal journey. Your life might be, I want to X that's completely different than me, and I'm like, dude, that's cool too, but don't just take examine it from that perspective. Like, why are you doing this? Yeah. And you'll find, I think, that your number's a lot lower than you think it is. Yep. <laughs> and that like, the things that make you happy aren't necessarily the things that like society tells you it's supposed to. If you're being honest with yourself, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs yeah. they have to go through, unfortunately, like I have, a, I have a good buddy who was one of my original partners in my call center that's no longer part of it, but went, had to go through a brutal divorce, right? Yeah. Just to kind of, I think, hit that and be like, okay, like what is, 
you know, what's, what's, what's all this I, for? I think it's fascinating. I think you really ask, like, when you take away the word millionaire, billionaire, trillionaire, whatever, yeah. and you really look at, like, money's made up. Yeah. It's really paper. <laughs> and all it is is a tool, right? Yeah. Like, yeah I, that's when I really shifted for me of like and I, I have big goals and ambitions right but at the same the same thing I've gotten to try like, to slave to them and even being young you know, I mean I, I'm working through it yeah I would say I'm, I'm a recovering I'm a recovering, <laughs> recovering slave I'm recovering. <laughs> it's not the right way to say that <laughs> let's, let's edit that out no it's okay you can leave it in <laughs> like, that's uh, not the right yeah. way to say that. I'm recovering uh, yeah. money slave to money I mean it's true yeah. uh, because you know I, I geared and so now I'm like sitting at my computer, like, why am I sitting at my computer at 6 p.m. like to make an extra five grand this month, make an extra 10 exactly. grand a month? Like, exactly. And I play that out a lot. Um, like, I'm gonna, like, how about this? Like, what about you other than what you do professionally is interesting? If you don't have a good answer to that question, like, again, when you're below a certain amount. Yes, yeah, so no, because right? I think for some people, like, like for business, business is a hobby for me too. It right? is for so, me too. So, I'm so an it's addict. like, if, yeah, I'm, yeah. if it's 10 p.m. and like I'm talking business with yeah. someone over text. No, that's what like, I want to do. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, but I think, I, I think you're right though for, you know, if you don't want to be doing, if you don't want to be doing it, yeah. then what else? Because for me, you asked you me that question, I'm like, no. I like my to wife travel. says, I like to travel yeah, my and wife, eat food. But I don't want to like, a life of leisure is not for me. Like, my wife, you know, my wife says, John, every time you get free time, you just start another business or buy one. It's because it's what I enjoy, it's a puzzle for me. But like it's stim it's the stimulation, correct. yeah. It's the yeah. challenge. But I also yeah. play chess every day. Yeah. Like I also just because I wanna I like doing that too. And so, you know, I think it's a I don't know what the right answer is. I think that's the right question though. Yeah. You know, and it's also different once you're at a certain point. And I think people also have to answer the question of do they really want money or do they want to be famous? Because I think that's like what some people want to make money on Twitter and stuff. And I'd I'd ask I want myself, nobody to know. I'd ask myself <laughs> that question. I'm like, am I am I on social media to make money? Or am I on social media because I want people to know that I make yeah. money? Yeah. Or do I, am I, sorry, am I on social media because it makes me money and grows my companies? Or am I on social media because it, uh, it, um, people just know who I am? And I think that's another question yeah. that people have to ask themselves. Warren, because, Warren Buffett had a great, uh, he had a great thing. And I also, the other thing that happened for me too is living in the Middle East, I was around a lot of wealth. And I lost my fascination with it too. I saw it up close and I'm like, hey, once you have, this dude's once miserable. You, once you, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he I, owns... Yeah. The biggest thing I've ever seen, he owns a, a frond on the palm in Dubai. He owns the whole thing. This dude sucks. Mm -hmm. Like, and this guy is worth, you know, he's a royal. I mean, he's a whatever. I mean, and so, you know, Warren Buffett has this great thing, and I, like, I don't know what the exact is, the exact line is, but he says, um, my day-to-day -day life is almost identical to yours other than the way I travel. But I drive a car, I sleep in a bed. You have the same sheets that I do. You go to an office the complex. Same phone that I do. You have the same iPad I have. Yeah. Everything's other than the way that I travel, and it's like when you think about it like that, it's like you're gonna live your life as a slave to traveling a little better. Mm. Like, okay, I'm, just know what you're betting on. Know so your game. Yeah. Know what what game yeah. you're in, man. So, so that helps me think about it. So I guess my, my follow-up question, that why I asked the question, is. I wanted the audience to be clear on like, yeah, you do, you do live a life in intentionality. You're on the beach this morning. Yeah, you don't live I try it. to. Yeah, yeah. But with that, you have to have a business that's structured, systemized, and, Big time. and, and things are in the right place. So Big time. if you were coming into my call center, my real estate company, or someone else's business, how do you go about structuring that? Obviously, yeah. I know the global talent part, but yeah. the rest of it. That's actually a byproduct. Yeah. So the global talent is a byproduct of having a well-run company yep. because the magic of global talent 
isn't unlocked if you just slam a bunch of cheap people against the side of your company. And that's what people think it means, is I have no systems, no processes, no training, no onboarding, no management, no KPR structure, nothing, no goals, no communication, no team meetings. And yep. just can, so yeah. Correct, so yeah. it's the other way around. So global talent is a byproduct of systems, not the other way around, right? So like the example that I give, the story that I tell, and then I can tell you about how I'd approach you know, your stuff is like, if Gordon Ramsay, I talk about this, I write about it. If Gordon Ramsay has been making your French fries for two years and he makes a million dollars a year, right? Are you gonna nec the next day take somebody who makes minimum wage and have them do what Gordon Ramsay does? It's not gonna work, right? Because <laughs> yeah. he's got, he's worth millions of dollars. He's running this unique process. No, here's what you can do. You can build a system that captures what's in Gordon Ramsay's mind. Okay, how much salt did you pinch there? Okay, uh, what temperature did you move them out of the tray? Mm -hmm. You write all that shit down. Now you say, hey, minimum wage stoner, follow this checklist, and guess what? You just turn the minimum wage stoner into somebody who maybe isn't gonna be quite Gordon Ramsay, but is gonna be 95% of the way there, mm -hmm. and now you can build a business. And, and I put this out on Twitter, but someone told me recently, they were like, um, Consistent mediocrity is better than intermittent excellence in the sense of great way to a, say it a, too. A task being done, or like it's if you have someone that does this, like for me, like when I, as I've handed off more and more stuff, yeah. If I have someone that is working on our marketing every single day, yeah. every single day, correct, 360 days a correct. year, we're gonna have better marketing than me if I'm working correct. on it one day a week, correct, even no matter how good I am at it, correct. But I, I think that's interesting. So, your systems first, you'd come into a business, you put in, you take whatever is, I'd understand you, what, what are you guys doing, yeah. like what are we doing here. How do we find customers? How do we sell customers? And how do we fulfill yeah. it's leads, what we leads conversion operations? Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Same yeah. thing. Awesome. Well, thanks for sticking around, you guys, for the last hour or so as we filmed uh, another episode here on the boat. Again, it's a little overcast today, but it made for a good little, good little atmosphere. Um, if you want to connect with John, you guys, he gives a lot of free game out on there on hiring and, and systemizing, organizing your small business, which most of you guys, whether you're in real estate or whatever else you do, you do have a small business. For mo most people that reach out to me and connect with me. Um, so he's a great follow. Matzner John um, on Twitter. That's where he shares a lot of his golden nuggets and he has a good sub stack on there as well. You can follow the link through his bio. Um, you can hop in that sub stack and, and get all the good the goodies he gives away. So as always, you guys, please give us a share, follow, like on wherever you're consuming this youtube spotify apple podcasts and until next time you're only one deal away